I recently had a situation come up where um, someone reached out just like anyone else would help. I need help. Um, I have herpes and I don't know how I'm going to have sex again. And this young lady threw in that she was 16 years old and it was a very uncomfortable situation because I'm not qualified on paper to have any kind of discussion like this or um, especially with someone in their teens, like an underage person. Like what do you, you can imagine what that looks like, a 30 year old having a conversation with somebody who's half their age about when they're going to be able to have sex again. So um, I was able to fortunately just refer her to someone in the community who is younger and who may be able to fulfill that like big sister role. But it did make me think, how many people do I have conversations with who I don't know their age? How many people reach out and ask sex questions and I'm just engaging with on a regular basis and have no idea that they may not be adults? It really had me thinking like, damn, this is uh, a potential thing. So I really need to be more mindful of who I'm talking to, how I'm talking to people, because I very freely just give advice. When people reach out, I try to help however I can. So I talk to her as if that was my little sister from a big brother perspective and really is just here's someone who's better qualified to have this discussion with you. And I know that that's not the best way to go about this, but it was the best thing that I could think of at the time to protect myself and protect her and just be able to bring her into a space where it may have been more comfortable for her to open up and where someone could give her better guidance than I would have been able to give. And resources like this are... I really don't know where to find them. I mean, I have a few resources that I go to, one of which is Sex Positive Families. Um, I think that that's a very great resource. And you can follow Melissa on Instagram. Just look up Sex Positive Families. And Waxo recently published a feature article on Dr. Kristen Bowman, who's a sex educator. And the piece that she recently wrote was on adolescent sexuality. So I'm glad to be a part of something that is inclusive to more resources like this because it's something that I wish I would have had available to me when this young lady reached out. That's one of the many resources available at Waxo.com. You can go there and check it out. I've recently written a piece that was inspired by Kellyanne, a recent guest on the podcast, Something Positive for Positive People. And she put together this whole slideshow about disclosure and how to make it happen. So um, what I did was just elaborated on that a little more and submitted it in the Waxo myself. So if you want more information, please go and check out Waxo.com. There's a lot of great resources on there and it's just a digital magazine that it's very sex positive and non-judgmental and it's a great resource for us uh, to be able to access so check that out and this episode features Ray, who manages the Positive Results ATX Instagram page, and she provides local support for women in the Austin, Texas area who are living with herpes. Um, this episode was great. We talk a little bit about support groups and um, her own experience in managing her diagnosis. And as people who manage groups or want to provide support, what well, we can do in order to extend that. And I think that the great greatest takeaway from this episode was that you always have the ability to make the better choice. And as you listen to this episode, you'll see where the context is. So I don't want to spoil anything, but I thought it'd be cool to just plug that in here. The show is shifting and I'm, I'm trying to do more with it and I want to make it useful. So please give me any feedback that you may have. 
Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of people living with and or affected by sexually transmitted infections. If you're new to the podcast and this is where you end up starting, I always hear podcasts say, you should start at this episode, and I'm sure nobody actually goes back, but if the title itself just appealed to you and you wanted to check it out, I encourage you to do so, and then if you decide you like this, go back and check out any of the other ones that stand out and leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast player you're listening on. So today I am here with Ray, who manages the Instagram account Positive Results. ATX and then those are those are periods in between, right? Yes. All right. So positive dot results dot ATX. There's no other dot. No. That's okay. It. Perfect. <laughs> and Ray, what do you do with that? Um, I've been following you for a while, and I see that you do a lot of very women empowering type things. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I decided that. When I first had HSV and I started telling people, it was very cool. I had a lot of support from my friends and family, um, but what I found was that nobody I was telling had HSV. So although they were very supportive, they couldn't understand where I had been. So I wanted to create a space for women that have been where I've stood. Um, So I created a support group here in Austin Um, called Positive Results. I wanted a little play on words, um, but also it's funny how it's made a full circle for me. I got a lot of positive results out of my HSV, so every time I see my handle and people ask if I'll ever change it or get rid of the ATX, I probably won't. That was my question, because you primarily, well, you only serve the women who are in Austin, right? I try. That's what it started out as, is a support group, um, just to find local support. Um, But as I started more and more on the Instagram thing, almost, I would say, a very small percentage of my followers are actually from ATX. Yeah, it's really hard to find people who are close to you and find people who are going to be willing to look up this information or find or know that they need to seek out any kind of support. But it's great that you're there for them. Do you have any challenges with uh, finding people coming into the groups? A hundred percent. I think that people are very apprehensive to sign up for things online or anything that requires you to have a profile picture or a username. A lot of the people in my support group have pseudonyms, um, the fake names they go by, no real pictures, think they just are nervous to out themselves in a way that they're not ready to. So there's been months where nobody shows up. Um, I sit there every month with open arms for anybody who wants to come. But it is, and I tell this to people who want to start a support group in their area, there's going to be times where nobody comes, but you still have to show up. Yeah. And even if one of those people show up, it you feel like it was worth it because totally. that person who shows up really, really needs that. Yeah, and I almost prefer when one person shows up because we leave the library setting where I have the meetings and we go to dinner instead. Yeah. Um, and then I end up having a, a really close relationship to the people who do come to the meetings. So it's I got what I needed out of the meetings. That's why I started it in the first place. Um, I had a, <laughs> I have a book club, a feminist book club, and we meet here once a month. And then I had my favorite people from 
my support groups come over one night and I looked around at all of us sitting here in my living room like we're doing now and I started laughing and I said this is like my book club but my herpes book club yeah so if somebody's <laughs> starting a group because it's very useful it's something that in supporting others I've found myself feeling more supported and I'm sure you have very similar experience with this as well. Um, as far as facilitating the healing process for so many people, what do you recommend someone do to get started? Yeah, um, I tell everybody, you're never going to feel ready to do this. People are very nervous. And when I signed up for my meetup account, I was very nervous. I had to put my face out there. Um, I had to, because if I didn't, what kind of example was I setting to be the empowered, proud woman I'm trying to help women become or embrace so you're not going to feel ready but you just have to start somewhere and I think the best way to start was meet up for me Um, that's how I found a local community here in the first place a local herpes support group it wasn't my cup of tea so I wanted to create something for similar like-minded people so that's what I would recommend meet up for sure and what kind of support groups would you recommend avoiding Um, I've only ever been to one other and Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't my cup of tea because it was a group of older people mostly there to date. They clearly hadn't come to terms with their diagnosis. They were misinformed about their diagnosis and I could understand why all of them seemed to be in such a low place. When you set out to create a support group, it's important to decide, okay, is this going to be for people who are looking to date? Is this going to be for a person who may be at their lowest of lows, possibly considering ending their life? Or is this going to be something just for people who are okay with their diagnosis to get together and hang out with like-minded people who can relate? Is this going to be something that's going to be informative? Because there are a lot of groups out there, and they're so challenging to find the ones that fit where you are so be very clear and concise on what your intention is and decide to move forward with it from there and stick with it and reach out to other groups as well because what you may not be willing to provide or able to provide there are so many other resources out there and the Facebook community itself has a lot of private and secret uh, support groups that you're safe in because they're very challenging to find. And it's almost like you have to find someone mm-hmm. else who has herpes in order to get in the herpes group in order to go through all the levels of support that you need. So that's just advice for anyone who's looking to start something like this. I always encourage it. It's so amazing to be in a space where you're able to help others and find yourself also growing along the way and surrounding yourself with uh, different perspectives because it helps expand your own. Now, Ray, how long have you been doing Positive Results ATX? I started in July of 2018. All right. And when you first started, what were some of the early challenges? So for someone who may be looking to get into this, they can best prepare for it. I mean, the followers. There's something about followers in this day and age anyways that defines our worth, Um, unfortunately. At least it feels that way. So in the beginning, trying to get people to follow you or associate themselves with you you know with the algorithms out there somehow it might be linked back to me and I don't want to be seen liking this post and just again like Courtney said stay very consistent stay true to yourself and just believe that believe in yourself believe in your purpose 
you know, don't start something unless you're going to stick with it. Courtney and I were kind of talking about this yesterday because, you know, you get these people who find you and trust you and are so relieved to find you. You can't really disappear. Like, it's a commitment. Make sure you want to do this before you start because these people that will find you are very relieved you're there. Yeah, and it builds so much trust. It takes so much trust for a complete stranger to reach out to you and open up about something that they've possibly never spoken to anyone else about, not even a doctor. There are some people who just, I know it's herpes, I know it's herpes, and maybe you've gotten like a online test done, and you're the first person they find and come to. Please, just allow yourself to be there. If you make the decision to go into this, then you have to stay there. You have to stay consistent because people are really counting on you. And have you run into any situations where maybe your group wasn't a fit for someone? Um, I think so. Uh, there was a group of older women that had come from the support group I had been to um, just to check us out. And I think they realized really quickly that we were not looking for love or we were just a bunch of women who were sick of the stigma and wanted to band together to dismantle it. So that is one of the first things that people find themselves after a diagnosis running to. Yeah, and I can understand it because I I had love at the very beginning and it made it so much easier for me. I've never felt unsupported by a partner or felt oh my god I'm not going to be able to date anybody. There was a brief period where we were broken up where that crossed my mind. And it it changes the game a little bit when suddenly you're wondering, am I going to find a partner ever again? It's different. You have to be, and I, I encourage people not to run to love right away. I know it's not exactly fair for me to say that because I had it. But in the time I healed the most was when my partner and I were apart and I had the time to focus on me. And that's the group I'm looking for, the people who are ready to figure themselves out. Yeah, and that's hard. It's it's really, really challenging to go away from what's familiar, like mm-hmm. what you know. You know that you need someone to, quote-unquote, complete you. You need to find your, quote-unquote, other half so a person who may already feel incomplete looking for completion externally especially after having to deal with the stigma here is you're you're in a very vulnerable place and one of the things that I want to be sure to leave people with is not to settle just because now you have a virus you know, yeah, like, or stay in a toxic relationship because you're afraid of what it's like in the dating world so Instead of looking for love, I think that people need to start with themselves first. Um, You know that old saying, you can't love somebody until you love yourself. I really think it holds a lot of truth. It was very true in my case. And that's why I came up with the name Positive Results, like we were talking about earlier. Because so many beautiful things happened after I was okay with myself. Yeah. And talk about a little bit about that, your own personal experience. What helped you become okay with yourself? When were you diagnosed? What was happening around that time? Yeah, sure. For those of you who don't know my story, I um, contracted HSV-2 in 2016. 
Um, it was from a casual hookup. Um, that conversation, you know, we thought we had the talk where I'm good, you're good. We don't need the condom that I brought with me. Um, you know, looking back, just I shake my head at that. But that's the reality of it. And for a lot of people, that's the reality of it. Um, either he knew and didn't disclose or he never had symptoms, but I contracted um, in April of 2016, I met my partner, who I'm marrying in less than a month, in April 2016. So there was a very short period of time between the casual hookup in my partner and I had my first outbreak when I knew I wanted to be with this guy. So I had to disclose right away. And I talked about this in a post recently that I wasn't really a very honest, um, good person. Looking back, back then, I didn't think I was, you know, malicious or anything like that, but I was an opportunist. I was young. I thought I was invincible. I was just having fun and nobody was more important than me. And I think that's true now too, but in a different way. Yeah. I was going to (laughs) say the way you said that, I mean, Putting yourself as a priority is never a bad thing until yeah. you're putting yourself at priority at the expense of other people. Totally. I was very selfish then. Um, so when I had to tell my partner that I thought I had HSV too, it wasn't confirmed, it was my first outbreak, but I felt in my heart like I knew what it was. So I told him right away because I didn't, I couldn't not. Um, And that's the thing about disclosure is it's different for everybody in every situation. But I knew if there was even a chance that I had exposed him to HSV, I needed to give him a heads up. After I told my partner and he was extremely receiving and gracious, it was kind of a tick in the tally mark of a win for me right away, which was great. I don't think everybody can say that. And... That was just the beginning, but, you know, I stayed with him for a long time because it was nice. It ha- I mean, I loved him. I still love him, um, but it kind of hindered my healing process because I latched on to a buoy or a life vest of somebody who was willing to take me on at such a vulnerable moment that it was just like, whew, I don't really have to deal with this right now. So you know, a year and a half goes by and I never really dealt with it. And it was starting to surface in our love life and my personal life and had a lot of self-resentment and we had to take some time apart because I needed to face it. And I locked myself away and I got down to the nitty gritty of how I felt about the diagnosis, what was stopping me And I think we've talked about this just back and forth banter about healing processes, but I think I moved through the chakras and I I don't know if a lot of you are familiar with the chakra system. We have seven chakras, starting with the root chakra, which is the base of our spine. Um, If you're sitting on the ground, you're you're grounded, that's the root chakra, like a safety, um, your basic needs. And so I locked myself away and I gave myself that basic need of support and was just really gracious with myself, and then I started to move up, and next was my sexuality, and not sexuality with a partner, sexuality with myself, 
Um, I think we're all so afraid of our bodies after a herpes outbreak. It's like you lose all this trust for your body. Um, you don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how bad it's going to be. We have this paranoia about it. Um, so after I was able to kind of get to a point where I loved my sexual body again, um, I was able to move up from there. And I could go to on and on about that healing process, but I really want to focus on how you should start with just yourself. And, you know, I was talking about how I wasn't a very honest person before I had to disclose. And then that kind of set me down a different path of choosing, because that's a choice to tell somebody you have herpes, always choosing the better option. So if you're about to do something that you don't really know if you should be doing, whether you struggle with binge eating or compulsive stuff, you stop and ask yourself first, do I want to do this? I have a bad habit of biting my lips even if I stop when I'm about to bite my lip and say, do I really want to do this? Most of the time when I stop and give myself a chance, I choose the better option. So once you start working with yourself and choosing these better options, choosing people who support me, choosing a path that I'm passionate about, choosing to come out of my own shadows and talk about this in a more public setting, it's just a domino effect of positive results. And... We talked about this with the support group, about being there for people and speaking your truth and how you said that once you started helping people, you started to help yourself more. Mm -hmm. So it's just a process of getting better. If you choose to, you can choose to have herpes really ruin your life or you can say, okay, this is a challenge. I choose to overcome it. And then once you start breaking it down from there, you can really pick it apart and see that it's really not as bad as you thought. In our heads, we can do so much overthinking and overanalyzing and we'll take what we believe to be true about a person with herpes and all of a sudden that applies to us for some miraculous reason, who knows why, especially when your lifestyle hasn't changed or lined up with whatever it is that you believe to be true about the stigma. Imagine that when you're disclosing whatever words you're saying, all the other person hears is I'm dirty, I'm disgusting, I'm not okay with this, I have a lot of partners and I'm unsafe. That's how a lot of people often present themselves when they immediately seek a partner after a herpes diagnosis because that's just how you feel. You're so attached to what the stigma is that you don't take the time to redefine it for yourself and understand what your own experiences are. What your own experiences are is what you want to project to the other person and present them with that because you are actually safer with partners than you ever have been. So how does the stigma apply to you? You just showered. How does the stigma apply to you? You know, you've had one partner who just happened to not know that they had herpes and they pass it on to you. How is it that you are this stigmatized person all of a sudden? So you really got to be able to just challenge that and present yourself in a way that is like, okay, I do have herpes. Here's what 
uh, it means for me. But the only way that you can do that is if you define what that means for yourself. That requires what we talked about earlier was you being selfish. So you want to speak a little bit about that. Like how is it that um, you were able to transform from your selfishness in one way to selfish in the other? Well, I did a lot of self-care. Going back to learning your diagnosis and your particular virus, the worst part of it for almost everybody is going to be stress. You need to find your stressors, and you need to eliminate or minimize these stressors. So another way to get to know yourself, is it work? Like, how can you make work better? Is it a relationship? Is that a relationship you need to leave? Um, Is it your autoimmune disorder? How do you get a better handle on that? Is it your menstrual period? Why are your menstrual periods triggering outbreaks? So everybody's so different. You really have to do some investigating and some trial and error. And yeah, you might mess up and you might have an outbreak, but you learn from that, right? Like, oh, I can't shave anymore because every time I shave, I'm having an outbreak. Well, you should probably stop shaving and see or explore something else. That's your body's way of saying, I don't like this. And you have to listen mm-hmm. and not mask it. You know, that's one of the things that is nice about Valtrex. And I have a friend um, in my community who's been on Valtrex for years and years and years. And she's going through a really tough time in her life. And she's curious about coming off of Valtrex. And I said, this might not be the best time to do that. So, you know, what works for you doesn't work for everybody. So you have to really investigate that. Yeah. And so in taking this time to investigate, you talked about self-care and what some of your practices may be. Do you have recommendations for people to get more accustomed to connecting to themselves? Sure. uh, Like outside of what worked for you? Like what do you know that works for other people? Well, stress is going to be a big part of it. So what minimalizes your stress. You probably like to work out. I like to go to yoga. I like to meditate. I like to be in nature. I like to eat really, really clean. I like to do cleanses. Um, But I mean, you got to go back to the basics, like the root chakra. What are your basic needs? Are you sleeping enough? Are you eating well? Are you stressed? Are you safe? Well, what if my basic needs are caring for a partner, feeling secure in a relationship? You know, to the same note, you're not trying to have these people rush into a relationship. I can really understand how people might not want to be alone um, because it is scary to face the reality of things. Sometimes when you've been not yourself for a really long time, it's hard to look that person in the face in the mirror and say, let's get to know each other. So my best advice is what I did. um, Reach out to your friends Practice disclosing to people who love you. The rejection rate is low. From everybody I talk to, I, I mean, granted, I can't, that's not a rule. You might face some rejection, but I. it's unlikely. If these people truly love you, family, friends, you start with them. And it's another tally on that positive results sheet, you know? Like, oh, look at all these people standing behind me. It's not so scary moving forward facing a rejection when I've got all the support already. Yeah. Um, and to anyone who may feel like they can't be supported by the people they're around, ask yourself why, what, what kind of friend are they? What do you get out of that friendship to where you are in a space where you, you need a friend right now and the people you call your friend, you don't feel comfortable 
utilizing them as a friend. Ask yourself these questions. Question everything. Do you ever feel like you got herpes for a reason? Yes. (laughs) Me too. And seven years ago, um, I never imagined that we'd be having this conversation. That a lot of my life would be revolved around herpes. Right. (laughs) No idea. I call myself the herpes queen as a joke to my friends. Um, I used to feel uncomfortable wearing that crown, but now I... I like that crown. Yeah. And how's being open about it? It, man, I I laugh at how accurate my Instagram handle is, positive results, because disclosing is so magical, because when you tell somebody, almost every time they turn around and tell you something that they've been dying to share, or that they need support in, and, you know, opening up a community of people who have been there has changed it for me. I feel better about it. Disclosing to people gets easier every day. It basically falls out of my mouth. People aren't even asking now. And I'm just like, hey, guess what? And I don't know. I I can't say enough good things about it. And people look at me like I'm crazy. But I've just gotten to that point where herpes led me to love all the The cream has risen to the top as far as my friends and relationships. The people that don't matter have fallen to the wayside. I'm more in tune with my body and my sexuality than ever. I understand it for the most part with as much research as I've done, trying to answer questions for people, trying to send them down the right way, connecting with people in the community like you, like how wild that you're sitting here in my living room after talking at South by Southwest for herpes i mean it's wild that this is our reality it is and all the amazing people that i've met and i don't know about you i'm sure you've met some pretty amazing people as well but i've found myself in a new space of just being inspired having had herpes has extended me into realms of reality that i never would have seen myself in you know we've talked to sex workers i've talked to polyamorous people i've talked to people in the lgbt community and just branches of people and connections that i now have and an expansion of just knowledge and perspective that never were real to me these experiences that have come after the positive herpes diagnosis have just been miraculous and i cannot say enough about having opened up being such a positive thing so yeah this was one of the better things that's ever happened to me i mean first of course being born and meeting (laughs) sierra and falling in love i can 100 percent say that being open about herpes is way different than not being open about it just not having to worry about when am i gonna have to tell someone or are they going to find out how are they going to find out how are they going to react because the people who may have that kind of reaction who don't know and then find out like they'll probably just choose not to be around and I'm okay with that and as far as the people who know or find out that choose to stick around and they understand out it's not even a thing like it has no impact on who you are those are the kinds of people that I want in my life Yeah, so I don't know if I've ever emailed anybody out there, but I usually sign my emails with love and light, and that's my message. You know, you got to follow love, you got to follow light. If If what you're choosing is leaving you in the dark and you're not feeling love, you got to open up a different door. 
and just keep walking. Just keep following the light. Keep following the love. Look for the positive things, the silver linings. You know, maybe ask, why is this happening to me? Do I need to reevaluate my life, my choices? Um, You know, it, it put the brakes on a lot of things for me where I looked at it at one time as the worst thing that ever happened to me. But when I chose love and I chose light and I looked at it in under a micro, microphone, <laughs> what is it? A magnifying glass? Um, well, when you look at it much closer and see the underlying meaning behind it all, it's easier. Yeah. And I'll say for me that having contracted herpes, it did show me that there were other things going on around that that I needed help with, mm-hmm. uh, things that needed to be addressed and without going on a whole tangent about that, it was useful. It was useful to sit with that. You know, I have herpes, and I also need to work on these things about myself. There were things that I didn't like about myself that I needed to work on. And after spending time with that and having my own self-care practice of just journaling has probably been the most useful to me and asking myself why and then having to write it out directly from the subconscious, like, it doesn't have time to go through my conscious brain and come out of my mouth or for me to think the words out. It's just coming right out. So there's no bullshit there. So that's a powerful practice that I would recommend for anyone as well. Now, you are getting married soon. I'm getting married. So you went through this process. You practiced what you just preached to us, and it led you to love. Yeah, and I think it's a byproduct of my own love. Um, I don't think that that's the happy ending. Like, oh, I got somebody, I landed him, you know, despite the herpes and all. That's not the the moral of this story. You know, I got to a point where I don't have any self-doubt anymore. I never knew if I wanted to get married before. I didn't know if I was worth this or that. And that's what's scary about herpes is that you're, you're... you're feeling vulnerable about it, like it's the, that one thing, if somebody knew about you, that would change it all. But when you don't care about it anymore and it's not your narrative, then you don't have to hang on to that heavy baggage anymore. So I was able to finally let go of all the baggage I've been carrying around. You know, I struggled with body dysmorphia, I had issues with weight, and I had issues with confidence, and I was really shy at one time, and a lot of things, but once you're confident of who you are and what you're worth and none of those other things, if somebody found out about this or if somebody knew my past about this or, oh my God, I can't tell somebody I got this from unprotected sex with some guy on Bumble, you know, like stop worrying about what other people think. You know, I had to even face that within our wedding planning. Oh God, I have to invite this person or, you know, what are people going to think about our Thursday morning ceremony. No, you guys, just stop fucking giving a shit. Sorry, that was explicit. (laughs) Just stop caring so much about what people think about you because if you think really highly of yourself, nothing else is ever going to matter. Have the highest of standards and lowest of expectations. And when you can live in that space, it's a lot more powerful to be in because the standards are internal and they protect you from other people's expectations that protect you from hidden expectations that you may have on other people and just holding yourself to a high standard is going to warrant people coming in who are going to meet those standards and they may surprise you with the unexpected things so for me anything extra is a surprise practice that 
practice sitting with yourself and creating these standards for yourself and don't settle for anything less than that. Herpes can, in fact, be a positive experience, and I say that with all the pun intended, and Ray and myself, we're sitting here living proof of that. you have any last things that you want to leave us with and then let people know where you'd like for them to find you? Yeah, um, I just want you to try to find the silver lining. That we get one chance to live a beautiful life, and we don't want to spend it wasting years wishing we were that person before diagnosis, because this is an opportunity to change your story. So write a good one. And if you want to get in touch with me, please, I, I love private messages. You can hit me up on my Instagram, or there's an option to email me there. I have online meetings every month. They're free. You can sign up through the newsletter. There's a link in my profile on Instagram, and we meet every month. You can come anonymously. You can be on video, audio. You can call from the phone. Whatever you want, you can just listen in or be really active in the conversation. Um, but join us. Meet somebody. I've connected some really cool chicks um, in their areas. You know, one meeting, they all realized they lived in Washington, D.C., and so now they hang. Um, so maybe you'll find some local support, too, but... There's always support. Reach out. Happy to send you in the right direction. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. If you want to connect, you can just shoot me a message there. Follow me, add me, and if you're uncomfortable with having that association directly with the STD podcast, then follow the hashtag Something Positive for Positive People and hashtag SPFPP which is something positive for positive people, um, just in the hashtag. So you can connect there. You can connect with Ray on Instagram at positive.results.atx. Till next time, stay positive.